podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your extra show for the week as we're going to talk about all things Rangers that have happened thus far throughout the course of the last few days and look ahead to the league game against Celtic at Parkhead. I am very pleased to tell you that I am joined by the A-team and uh, yeah, David Edgar's probably cracked that joke before when he's had these guys on, but I'm very pleased to be joined by Mr Andy McGowan. Hello, pleased to be here. And Mr. Adam Thornton. Funny and accurate. What a great start to the show. Listen, in a professionalism that I think we can all bring to it, that let's be honest, David just simply doesn't have in his locker. But listen, boys, thank you both for joining me because uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, my battle fever hasn't quite kicked in yet. But, you know, it's it's got a couple of days to go, so we'll just see as to how we go on. Andy, I, I had to have you on uh, this week's Extra because uh, a couple of days ago, Rangers announced the the stepping down of uh, Chairman Douglas Park. Um, I think a move that a few of us saw uh, potentially around about the kind of AGM, maybe taking a bit longer than expected, uh, but he has now stepped down. And Vice Chair is now the new chair, and that is John Bennett. Um, I'm going to kick off with that with yourself, because obviously being our financial guru here on Heart and Hand, um, keen to get your thoughts on firstly the change and the and the structural reorganisation that steps into it, and also the the kind of financial or potential financial implications as you see it. You are uh, very well admired by Mr. Bennett for your mega threads on Twitter. <laughs> Andy, he gets it. He gets it. So now's your chance to basically lord over John Bennett. If anyone has anything else they want to do for the next twenty to thirty minutes. We'll start talking about the Celtic game, so just skip ahead. Andy, uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I don't really know where to start now. You're, you're, you've punctured anything I say now is biased. Before <laughs> I even say it. Andy, uh, anyone who's ever heard you talk will know that this is going to be biased. So <laughs> don't worry about that. No, nah, well, I'll, I'll explain why I'm biased for, for John Bennett. Uh, so Douglas Park, first of all, um. His place in our history is assured, and that sounds a bit grandiose and sycophantic, but it is. And, you know, you, the, the phrase history will be kind is used for all sorts of things, but we don't need to wait in history. Douglas Park has done his part for, for Rangers and for our, our uh, support. Um, I, 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 like you said, Cammy, you know, there was a bit of conjecture about I'm stepping down and, uh, you know, Nothing official, it was all kind of WhatsApp rumour stuff, and I kind of thought that I wasn't subscribing to it because there was no substance to it really. There was nothing that I knew of, unless you were in the know. But transpires it's true. Um, I think the noise around the protests, I don't think that is the reason. I don't think it will help. But he's of a certain age, he's a very successful man. I understand he spends a lot of his time out of the country. So it probably makes sense from that kind of angle. Um, the question for me is around investment. So he's obviously been a, a benefactor for our club and put in his own money, converted to shares along with a, a lot of other investors. So I suppose the question that is unanswered is what happens from here? Have we lost one of our 
one of our deep pockets of investors. Um, and time will tell, and it'll probably tie in with the fact that Graham Park is is uh, still on the board. So, and, and then again, I wonder if that's why the Park Motor Group have found ways to invest in the club um, in terms of sponsorship and stuff like that. So there's a couple of dynamics at play there. Um, and beyond that, uh, you know, John Bennett stepping up to become the chairman, and you're, you're joking at me because I, I like John Bennett. I, I come from an industry where John Bennett is, you know, he's a, a titan, to be quite honest with you. So if we talk about football management being a harsh industry and he comes from the world of fund management and if you don't know what that means, then he handles lots and lots of money on behalf of people and basically directs where it goes and you live or die by results. Um, and there's no hiding place. And, and John Bennett has you know, traversed that career for decades now. So that's why when I talk about John Bennett, I'm talking for that kind of perspective as opposed to other folk who talk about him from the fact that, you know, he did a, a, an interview last year with, with Rangers TV that, to see my personal honest, Cammy, I thought it was completely taken out of context and it told us loads but folk kind of listened to the bits they wanted to listen to. It told us about the four pillars, about the four pillars, sorry, the... Um, what else did it tell us about? It told us loads of stuff about the club and the plans for the club and how we're going to be running. But a lot of folk get fixated in uh, subtext of, you know, uh, what he thought the support and uh, best in class. That phrase now is used as a barb against the club. And I think it's pretty petty, to be honest, because I know what he means by best in class. And, I, and I, I've, I've said to supporters that use it as a barb. We just really say, nah, we want to be shite. We'll just go for second best. Of course, we want to aim for best in class. So... John Bennett uh, comes with the right credentials. I think he's made of the right stuff. I think he's thick-skinned enough. Um, and I think he also has a bit of vision about him because one of the roles of his day job is to look in at the future. And I mean that literally. He has to see what's coming in the corner for his investors. And that'll be no different for Rangers. So I'm giving him a glowing kind of uh, name here. He's got a big job, big job in his hands, obviously comes in at a difficult time. There's a wee bit of discontent amongst the pockets of the support. I've got to say that it's not borne out by the money that's getting poured into Rangers for support. So I think this is always a caveat we forget that, you know, in times of discontent, you don't get sold to stadiums versus Dundee United, right? And you don't get mass uh, hysteria over tickets for semi-finals and stuff like this. And you don't sell out Champions League tickets at the highest rate, uh, sorry, the highest price I've ever been in history, right? So there's there's still a bit of a disconnect between what constitutes discontent and what actually is discontent. I think we, we would do well to remember that. So that, that's my piece on, on what's happening, Cami. I think we move forward. That is it. I think it's uh, if you're sitting in the boardroom, either the executive boardroom or the investor, the, the owner boardroom, so to speak, I think it's total focus. And I think, I think you've already done that in business, not in football, but it's it's accentuated in Rangers uh, in, in football. So I, I think I still think the things that I've always thought for a good few years now. I think we've got proper people in place. I think on safe hands. I think they're very well intentioned. I think that we as a support me understand that mistakes will be made. There is no perfect solution ever at any football club, 
and we just need to we just need to get back closer together in terms of board and support. And folk will be listening, laughing at that, and the, and the, uh, we're listening to this tonight or today. I think that's what we need to do. And do you know what? The unfortunate truth is, it's only football results that are going to make that happen. Uh, that's the fickle world of football. So we'll move on to football, I suppose, come in and see how we do that. Well, before we do, because I just want to, and I'll stick with you, Andy, because this was something that I wanted to touch on, which you've actually just mentioned there about Bennett's level of communications and stuff, because I think I did our daily update. In fact, I'm sure I did it with Andy Barnett on our Patreon site after the, the John Bennett interview that you've just mentioned there. Um, and I, I agree with you, by the way, cause, and I did take some pelters as to regards how that interview came across and then how we kind of started to break it down afterwards, purely because we did talk about that whole best in class. And there was a period there where Bennett was talking about... Um, you know, the, the, the squad being the best he's ever seen it, etc. And then, you know, we started to really kind of come off the rails and injuries and various other things as well. The thing that I would probably say, and, and what was interesting to me was, he, he is quite open about communication. And one particular part I wanted to ask you about, because when there was news recently regarding um, interest from an American conglomerate, mm. um, Bennett came out and confirmed it. And he more or less came out, and, and I was expecting a little bit of a denial, a little bit of a, you know, you know, we're not really sure where this came from, this could be paper talk, whatever, right? But he more or less came out and said, yeah, we have, because we'll always look at investment in Rangers. And I think that that's something which John Bennett in particular has played a big role in, in terms of that relationship management, that attraction to investors. So I think that there's, a, there's an interesting option here about how he can then start to go after more of that um, obviously, the American deal fell on its, you know, fell on its behind. But I, I'm pretty confident he'll have quite a few irons in the fire about people he could potentially bring into Rangers. Uh, quite possibly, Cammy. I think, um, I think, I think probably what I'm saying about John Bennett is there's gravitas there, and and also what I would say about the communication piece is that the communication between the board. And again, I say investor board and executive board, whatever, whatever one you might call it, or both, between those, them and the, the support has broken down. Um, and those videos that were recorded for Rangers TV, if you recall, it was a two-part interview with John Bennett and Rangers basically abandoned the second part because the, the kind of response to the first one was, it was, it was bonkers. Uh, and I think it was Rangers fans having a kick at the club because, again, as I say, they, they kind of picked the bits they wanted to hear and they, want, they, want, they wanted to zone in on. And, and, and I've got to say, use against this, use against the club. So they kind of abandoned that. But John Bennett, from what I can tell, right, I don't know the guy, but I think what you see is what you get. And I don't think he's any political shenanigans in terms of saying something that he doesn't actually mean. I think he'll be quite honest and open with you. And what we've got to realise is support. And I'm not talking about Twitter, because Twitter's just bonkers, right? You can't appease Twitter. But what we've got to recognise as a support is let's be seriously honest about things. If you get if you want if you really want communication with your board, you've got to be able to swallow things you might not want to hear. And it might worry you, and it might not actually sit well with you, and you might disagree with. But you've actually at some point either got to trust them or you've actually got to say, do you know what, I don't support what you're doing here. And it's at that point things can get testy and that's where you know you can withhold your support from the clubs financially 
or he, he you know, things get a bit more vocal. So I'm all for communication. I'm all for as well the support needed just we, we need to remember we're on the same boat. We're, we're on the same side and, and the things are going a wee bit too lopsided for me. Um the protests haven't quite caught fire as you might imagine. And that might sound controversial, but they haven't. They haven't. It's, it's been pockets and it's been kind of twatty. So you don't get sellouts against United when there's mass discontent. And we know it's been a piss poor season and we know there's been issues. But things change fast. I don't subscribe to doomsday scenarios. Come back to me in a year, can we? And if Celtic are, are you know, securing another league and another treble or else you might turn around and say, Andy, you are way off there. True. But we can go back to 1987, 88, we know as soon as revolution and Celtic win the double, kind of wipe the floor with us like we got a single victory against them. Things can change fast in football, just as it did for Celtic after 55. I've got faith and I, 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 <laughs> it may be misplaced, but I do try to fasten it to facts and figures and you know tangible things that I can see, but also giving the benefit of doubt for for, for goodwill that I've still got there. Is that Suki enough for you? No, listen, I think you've done very well. I think you've done... I mean, you might, you might need a shower after this. <laughs> you know, we'll just take it for there. Adam, um, hopefully you're still with us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I do I do want to talk about, um, obviously, moving into Saturday's game because I think it does tie nicely into Andy's point. Um, the support get frustrated when we're not winning things. That's a prerequisite of being part of the Rangers setup, whether you're on the park or you're in the main chair in the boardroom. And, you know, we've got to look towards Saturday in terms of, personally speaking, I think anyone who's listened to any of our, our recent pods that I've been on would have mentioned where we are in the league. I, I do think it's pretty insurmountable now. We could pull a rabbit out of the hat and get a win at Parkhead. I, I've said before that I don't believe that there's such a thing as meaningless games against that lot because ultimately there isn't. It's the biggest game in football for me. But one of the things I want to talk to you about, about Adam, is is your kind of approach to this. If you were Michael Beale, would you look at this as a a chance to be able to try and stake a bit of a claim towards next season's title about the beginning of the rebuild, the refresh, the wiping the slate clean, let's get this season behind us? Is it a confidence build for players who, and let's be honest, in recent games against them at home, have absolutely shat the bed at Parkhead and we have not performed well? How would you how would you approach it? What would you look to see as is some some tangible improvements um, come you know two thirty on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, first of all, you know it's not my um, it's not my level of, my area of expertise. I don't like to talk about it, but I would just like to say thanks Douglas Park in terms of what he's done. I think we we kind of get lost in that sometimes, as Andy said, with the the sort of furor with the the Stuart Robertson, Ross Wilson, etc. But he kind of stepped up eight years. He's been there. He's delivered a lot. He's put a lot of his own money in. So I think him and Dave King will be remembered um, very, very fondly in, in years to come. But it's about moving forward, as we said. And if Sean Bennett's the man for that, then then great. But yeah, just want to put that see, on record first. See, Andy, that's Suki. That's Suki. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> that, that, that was good, Adam. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what I should have said. That is, yeah. It's better than your football chat. Anyway, let's go. So um, I think... <clears throat> I think he was, the facts are, 
got it just about right in the game at, at New Year. Um, lots very very different circumstances in terms of where the squad was, uh, injuries, fitness, confidence. The manager just been in the door a matter of weeks. So I think that was uh, that was probably quite close to what he would want, not for the full <clears throat> the full ninety minutes, but at least parts of it. Um, we have progressed since then, absolutely. I think he got the League Cup final badly wrong <clears throat> in terms of a couple of things. Um, probably not starting Raskin anyway. I'm, I'm not sure about Cantwell, but not starting Raskin anyway, I think was a was a big mistake when we see how, how he's done. Probably starting Tillman, given that um, he was clearly not fit and then wasn't seen for a month, I think was, was one of the bigger mistakes. And then I think the Lundstrom and Kamara um, axis, which if I'm not mistaken, hasn't been seen since. Um, so I think those PCs are things that he'll probably look to fix quite quickly. Um, in terms of setting markers down, etc., I'm not sure. I think it's more likely, not that anybody would see it, uh, I think it's more likely we might see some things as a trial run for the semi-final, um, if I'm honest. I don't know if we're going all guns blazing in this game. I think it might be more about, let's see if we can be less uh, defensive or less timid as we were in the in the final um, and try and hit that happy medium in this game, absolutely, but maybe with an eye on, on the week after. Um, in terms of how he does that, I've got different opinions. I, I wouldn't be starting Borna Barisic, but I think it seems pretty obvious that that he will do. I think for me, it would be it would be Ridvan. I would have had Ridvan in on a Saturday. I know he maybe said he wasn't a hundred percent. I would I would still have had him in um, in this game coming up, regardless. But I don't think that's going to happen. Is that um, what? What's your feeling behind that? Because I suppose really what I'm curious about is there is obviously a lot of noise about how Barisic has played at Parkhead in recent times. And do you feel that's a that's a venue issue for him, yeah. or just do you think that that Ridvan offers us something a bit different? Well, I think he does, but maybe maybe not in in this game. Yeah, I can I can take that point of maybe maybe Barisic is maybe not going to get up the park as much, and maybe we'll we'll understand the fixture a little bit more. But it's the mentality side for me. You can't have. I don't think it's acceptable to have one of those collapses at Parkhead, never mind two, uh, in the same calendar year um, from Barisic. Not alone, absolutely, but I think they were calamitous. Um, so. That's that's not for me uh, in this game. Uh, people might disagree, um, but that's that's one thing I would be looking to to avoid uh, on that side. Um, the other thing is is formation um, or, or shape. I've got a really sneaky suspicion that this back three that we've seen um, in the, the the late stages against Mullerwell and for most of the game on on Saturday um, against Dundee United, I've got a sneaking suspicion this is going to appear. If it doesn't appear at Parkhead, um, it might appear in the semi final, and this is why I think it will be a tester. Um, it was very strange to me that we went into that back three for parts of the game, but it was John Lundstrom doing it, and maybe more towards the end of the game, it was John Lundstrom who went back rather than Suter. I know he came on, he came on later on for what like five minutes or something. So that was quite strange to me. It was a really interesting time to try it. Was that trying that with a view to looking ahead? Um, I don't think there'll be many people listening who will be big advocates of. John Lundstrom playing in a back three at Parkhead on Saturday, but I just wonder if that's something he might be potentially looking at, or maybe it might be at some point in the game. Um, so that's a piece there um, that I think he'll, he'll want to look at. The other point for me is the two up top. <clears throat> um, controversial, but I wouldn't be starting uh, Alfredo Morelos or Antonio Cholak in, these, in this game. I, I don't think. Um, I think we need to look forwards. Um, I think it's a, a big boy summer coming up when you make big boy decisions. Um, Fashion Sakala has, I think, performed better, um, certainly at Parkhead already than Alfredo Morelos has done in his, his total Rangers career. So um, 
I would be inclined to start him up top. I don't like Malik Tillman in midfield in these games. Um, I, I wasn't wanting it to happen in the the, the, the semi final or the final. Sorry, at Parkhead, I just feel like not that he's lackadaisical, not that he doesn't drag back or anything like that. But maybe just the amount of time he sometimes wants on the ball. I, I think it's maybe similar to Aribo. He's maybe better a line up if you like. So. Um, I would probably be looking at Sakala, Tillman and Kent as my front three. I'm sure there will be people out there again saying that that isn't ideal. But I think looking forward, the pace that they have, the goal threat that they have, um, Sakala and Tillman in particular, um, that's what I would be looking at as as a sort of front three, front two. Um, if he goes with a back three, obviously that changes things in the middle of the park. Um, so we'd have to wait and see there. I'd be wanting Raskin and, and, and Jack in, definitely. Um, there and I guess the only decision really is if it's a back three will it be Lundstrom or John Souter coming in if it's a back four probably neither of them would play and it would be Todd Cantwell that goes into the middle of the park um, so that's that's all the things that are sort of running about my head I think there's there's two schools of thought it will be the sort of four three three if you like that we've seen or maybe that that kind of three five two that he's been he's been playing about with over the last two games um, but I think mostly we're talking about nine, nine or ten of the, the players being being sort of sorted there in terms of knowing that they'll start. See, it's interesting you mention that, and 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 it's something that Andy spoke about earlier on because I think we would all agree, especially in the in the world of Rangers, especially in social media, that things can either be a bit sugar or shite. And Andy, I, I think Adam makes a number of brilliant points in there, and and one in particular that I want to talk about is, I think if you were to see a team sheet that doesn't have Alfredo Morelos starting, I think there would be immediate questions against that. But I think Adam makes a great point about justifying as to why it may not be right for this particular game. Um, I, I, I can't answer the question at the moment. If Morelos goes, are we lining up behind Cholak as our number one? I, I, I'm yet to be convinced that that's something that's worthwhile. That means buying someone else to be able to come in and hope that he hits the ground running. There's, a, there's an element of this where I think for me, we have to treat this kind of, as Adam said there, about a little bit of a trial run for the, the, the semi-final. And if he's going to use it for that purpose, then this is a good opportunity to do so. Yeah. Uh, so so I, re- I recognise that arguments make good podcasts, but no joke, I'm listening to Adam there, and I, I agree with almost every single point he's made there. Um to, to get to your question, Cami, about Morelis and Cholak, Cholak cannot be our first choice striker next year. <laughs> he cannot be. He can't be our second choice striker. He's a, you're listening to Talking Ted's Adam's excellent podcast that we were on last week. Uh, we spoke about this and Cholak, for me, third choice striker reserve or not here. And the bold kind of step to effectively drop Morelis, right? don't disagree with that either because Adam's 100% correct. Fashion Sakala is generally our biggest goal threat at this moment in time and he's done more against Celtic than most. You know, if you, if you go back to the semi-final last year, that, that uh, the winner was effectively him. He was really, really good in the, the final firm game of last season where he scored the goal and should have won the game for us when he had the post. Um, and I just think that their two centre-halves have a bit of pace. They like to... You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Adam. My perception is they like to squeeze up because they're comfortable against the likes of Morelis, who has not got enough pace. They certainly have only have pace against Cholai if he plays. So I think we need to have that ability to threaten them if they do squeeze up. 
and I and I totally agree with Tillman. Tillman for me is a he's almost a striker. For, for, for what I've seen him so far this year, he is what we've always spoken about as a number ten or whatever you want to call it, false nine, I don't know. But he, he should be playing off whoever we're playing as striker because he, he fulfills that ability to maybe drop back if, if required, if, if the game dictates that at times. But also he's got the ability and the pace to press, run with the ball, carry the ball from that um, the middle of part to, part to the final third, which is probably our biggest problem, right? Once we get to the final third, it kind of stops. And I think we might just get that wee bit of space in behind if we play our cards right on, on Saturday and in the semi. And, you know, I, we're talking about tactics, formation, all the rest of it. This game, as we always know, right, you'll be sensing, you know, no shit, Andy, but character is going to be the biggest factor here because the capitulations we've had at Parkhead the last twice, uh, or not the last twice, the 3 nothing, the 4 nothing game, but the capitulations of Fidward have just shot it is it's a question of character. Ryan Jacks, the first name I'd have done the sheet for that reason. I think he performs well in these games. He's got an ability to, to hold the ball and has the requisite bite. And I would like to see Cantwell continue what he's been doing, which is knit the whole team together. Raskin, I've got a funny feeling he only start because he wasn't, he wasn't really ready for 90 minutes before, before his injury. And so I doubt he has now, but you know, we'll, we'll see where he goes with that reveal. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Jack and Lundstrom, to be quite honest with you. But my final word on it is that we must go toe-to-toe with Celtic in terms of playing football. And what I mean by that is we must play for the back. The semi-final there, as soon as we've seen McGregor ushering Davies and Goldson up the park for by kicks, we lost that game because um, we gave up trying to play football. We must play football. And I think Kamara and Lindstrom in that semi-final were the reason we couldn't because they were, they were shit out of form. They were frightened to take the ball. They were only turning the, with the ball. And I think Cantwell is, has the ability to do that. I think Jack has the ability to do that. And Raskin, as far as I've seen, has the ability to do that if he starts. That's, that's, that's my piece on what I think should happen on Saturday. And I, and I also think, leading into the semi-final in a couple of weeks, I think by that point, with Van Yelmaz will be our left back. I, I don't think... Uh, I think he would be better suited against Celtic. I think he'll cause him more problems than, than Barisic, who's kind of seen one-dimensional. But you would, would know exactly what he's going to do. He's not going to go on the inside. He's going to go on the outside. He's going to try and whip a cross in. And we're not doing much with these crosses. So there we go. This is the only thing I'm thinking about with us back three, Cammy, is <clears throat> those two defeats that Andy talks about, they have absolutely slaughtered us down the wings with those wide rotations that, that they have. We've not had centre midfielders, haven't been tracking back in the way that we've seen a couple of years ago because we're trying to play a little bit more aggressive in the middle. Um, and the fullbacks have been getting slaughtered. We've seen all of the goals coming from either crosses from, from the right, crosses from the left, or mistakes from the right back, mistakes from the, the left back. So um, that's the only thing I'm thinking about with this back three. If you go with a back three of, of Davies, Goldson and and uh, <clears throat> Suter, and you sort of go man for man on their front three, Davies more than comfortable going out to the byline and defending 1v1 uh, against a kind of quicker forward. Suter will be the same um, on the other side. So it gives you that stability there. If you've got the fullbacks a little bit higher up, then they have the option to then be 10 or 15 yards further up and stop their fullbacks, um, or at least 
get to them quicker to to stop them getting those balls in and getting Hatati if he's available and, and McGregor and Moy or Regley, whoever it is that's playing to getting them on the ball and getting them to make those passes. If you're then got those players ten or fifteen yards up the park along with the central midfielders, whoever it is, I just think it's it's an interesting one. It lets you be aggressive because you're playing the two strikers up against their two centre and halves essentially and McGregor kinda of pulling back the way. So it's an I think it's an interesting matchup with the players that we've got versus how they play. Whether he does it or not, I'm not sure. Probably I would still weigh heavily towards the fact that it will be Morelos that, that starts the game. Um, But, yeah, just given my opinion, I think maybe when I said Zakala has been infinitely better than Morelos at Parkhead, maybe that's a bit a bit much. But I don't think it's close over the, the respective Rangers' careers in terms of who's who's offered more in, in old firm games. Um, So, yeah, that's that's the thinking there with the, the, back, the back three. Still think it's more likely that we'll go for the four and it'll be Morelos up top. But, yeah, um, whether we see some things as a dress rehearsal for... Uh, the end of the month, who knows? Well, it's interesting you say that because, again, listen, I think everybody listening to this will will be thinking, you know, this is about being able to trial something in preparation for the semi-final. But there is a big part to that, I think, Adam, where we're then talking about you can trial something and it can be phenomenal and you can get a win and that's fantastic because it gives you that mega boost in confidence and it shows that you can go there and stand up and get a result, and then again, you know, you 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 you, you take the benefits from that. Adversely, you could then turn around and go, well, I, <laughs> I want to believe that we can do that and take a risk, but do that the wrong way, and it almost could set you back. So that's the gamble. Absolutely, I completely agree. And then I think we think back to the the Hamden game. He maybe didn't take too much of a risk, so I don't know if that will then factor into into the mind, or if you'll think right, we're another month on. We've got Cantwell in the team fully integrated. Tillman's back to, to full fitness. We've got Suter back if we want to do that. We've got um, Raskin. Hopefully, I, I do think he'll. I do think he'll start him. Well, whether he plays a full game or not, I do think he'll, he'll start him. So we've got these things there. He might just think, no, actually, we'll just sort of play the way we've been playing. But we we'll hopefully get a bit more out of those players than we did on the day. I don't know. Um, this is this is why he gets the big bucks to make these decisions. But I think I think the big thing is Andy. <clears throat> excuse me. As 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 Adams mentioned there. What I do have faith in Michael Beale in is because we said after the, the League Cup final that the changes were too late, that it was quite apparent that he was waiting until the hour mark to be able to make the changes um, and, and introduce some of the players that we've talked about. And, and I think we started to come into it. But we have to be able to try and start... I want to say we have to start confidently or we have to appear confident in order to be able to try and build on that. Because for me, this isn't just about, you know, this one particular game and being able to move things about. And as Adam says, you know, arrange your, arrange your board as you will. It's also about the takeaways and the learnings from it. But because of that fragility of confidence, it also means almost trying to, to snuff out the game at the beginning. Because let's face it, Celtic will come at us. They're at home. There's no away fans they'll treat it as a bit of a party day across the bank holiday weekend. They'll they'll come out and go for it. We have to learn to be able to try and contain that first and then take our game to them. I know. I think, I think uh, how can I put this? The, the semi-final died a death very quickly because we weren't winning individual battles. Lundstrom wasn't coming out with the ball at all. Kamara was the same. And uh, that, that's why I refer to Jack as being somebody I would have in there. But it's also about having the bravery 
and the confidence to, to take the ball from your goalkeeper or from your centre-halves with people closing you down, as, the, as Celtic will do, and being able to progress up the park. And, you know, if you if you do that in the opening 10 minutes, Celtic will soon realise that they're not going to get it all their own way and it's just going to be one-way traffic. If you can give them a few jabs in the first 10 minutes in terms of, you know, you might come out and press, you'll play through you. If you can show them that, then they'll think twice about doing it for the rest of the game. And um, and if you can marry that up with a bit of steel in terms of physical presence, uh, I know I know we're talking can't know, but you're asking if he's playing um, certainly Ryan Jack, and, and if Lindstrom's playing, he will need to step up. Lindstrom should be one of your senior players by now, and he should be leading the example the likes of what you know Goldson does, and that means that he has to put his foot in in the right way and lay down markers. Um, he's not done that in the last. He's not done it since the semi-final against them last year. So that that's the way I see it going, is that you know, we can you can go in with best intentions and containment and let them blow themselves out. But I think I actually need to approach it in terms of we know you're gonna come for us, we're gonna play through you and we'll hit you not even on the break. Just just play football and progress through the park. Because that's what they do, right? If we if we go all guns blazing at them, they play through us, they go really expansive, they use a the whole width of the park. That, the, the wee Hatati guy who I, I think is a good player, he finds the pockets and allows our centre-halves to play through us so easily that semi-final. We've got today, we've got to try and look for something else, something similar. We've got to impose on them when we've got the ball. Um, easier said than done, I know, but that, that, that would be what I would like to see um, for the first for the, for the, the opening muscle. And I, I suppose kind of final word thinking about the, the, the variables, Adam, is... For me, this is where we're going to have to make sure that we're far more productive and almost you know, as lethal as we can be at set pieces, making sure that we've got quality, been able to come in there. Andy mentioned a little bit about you know the Barris's crosses and you know your man Tav, making sure that those are coming in well. But when we do get an opportunity, because it sounds to me if we're playing it through the middle and we can try and shape and fashion up an opportunity that comes even from a free kick from distance and stuff, we know that Tav can hit them, um, and we know that he can he can certainly uh, threaten with them. But there's been times where I think that whether it's going to be free kicks or, or, or corners, the the manager has already identified that you know we can do better at them, and I, I still think that that's going to be pretty important for us. Yeah, I think I don't know how many it is now, but I think is it maybe between six and eight goals that we've scored since he came in yeah. from them. So it has been improving, but I completely agree with you. I think there's there's more that we can we can do there. Um, I, I kind of like the variation that we've got in them, but ultimately it's all about getting the ball in the box. Um, as far in a kind of decent way, they don't have a lot of height in in their team. Um, Sakala and Tillman are decent in the air. So as Goldson, um, Davies can at least go up and offer uh, offer a bit of, of threat. So we probably outnumber them in terms of um, players that are over six foot one, six foot two. So um, making making the most of that, I think, is is absolutely key. Um, the Barisic piece there, like, this this is this thing we talk about all the time. Barisic is for me one of the best crossers of a football that I've ever seen at Rangers, and I think if if it was American football and it was a kicker thing, Barisic would be comfortably playing in the Premier League and coming on and, and swinging the ball into the box however however that would work in a, in a kind of football terms never mind American football he is elite at it as far as I'm concerned or close to elite at it um, but we don't always need it um, there, there's so many times where 
we see Kent running to the edge of the box, you know he's going to give the ball to Barisic. You know Barisic isn't really going to look up. He's just going to hammer the ball into the box, into a decent area, but we've got nobody in the box or we've just got Morelos in the box and it's almost a little bit pointless. Probably more so and magnified more in these games where we aren't going to get into the box as much. We're not going to have as many chances. I think we need to look at that. And it's the same on the other side. Tavani will do exactly the same thing. Try and get the ball into the box when there's no one in the area and it will hit the first man. I just think we need to be smarter than that playing through thing that, that Andy mentioned, I think, is is key. But ultimately, if we get to a point where dead balls, etc. are there or there are good cross opportunities, then I think both fullbacks and we are assuming it will be having Barisic. I think both fullbacks definitely need to be more on point than they've been in these games for um, for a good while. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we talk, we talk, let's throw a cliche in here. You know, as we mentioned already, it's about winning individual battles. It's about standing up to be counted. You know, again, like I say, it's, it's a bit pin the tail, tail on the donkey in terms of, you know, the, the cliches that we would throw in, but but they're all true. Um, and they are about being able to go out and make sure that we deliver and uh, we make a, a good account of ourselves. Um, being the eternal pessimist, I, I'm not. I wouldn't get mega excited about the league, even if it was the case that we were to win on Saturday. But for me, there's, there's, you know, as we've kind of discussed there, there's huge things that we can do that may define the course of the the remainder of the season, and um, and I think that that's massively important. That will pretty much do us for extra this week, folks. David will be back with the flagship on Monday uh, to cover everything. Uh, that happens across the game at the weekend. I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London, uh, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and most importantly to thank my two excellent guests. Adam, thank you very much for coming on. Um, Some huge tactical insight on there as well, which if anyone would like to, please jump onto our uh, Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you'll hear absolutely tons of brilliant content but especially as 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 our tactics guru um adam does a lot of this kind of stuff as well and it always always fascinates me cheers cammy and also to the john bennett fan club president mr andy mcgowan andy thanks so much for coming on buddy no worries i'm just going to see my new podcast a love letter to john bennett will be out very very soon I thought you were going to just release a CD or something like, like 20 love songs to John Bennett by Andy <laughs> McGowan. I mean, you just seeing like a turtleneck jumper and all that kind of stuff. Uh, folks, listen, um, enjoy your weekend. Um, just always remember, no matter what the result is going to be, there's always sunshine around the corner. Have a brilliant weekend, folks. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again on Monday. Bye-bye. <laughs>